You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, hello again to all nine of you listening to the show. It's great to be with you today on the Fair Game podcast. Today's guests come from what I believe to be the smallest fair we've had represented on the show. I think that's one of the great things, honestly, about our industry is whether you are a million plus in attendance or you are a three-day free fair like this one, our events have the ability to bring our communities together. She is the Director of Marketing Events as well as the Fair General Manager for the Grady County Fair in Chickasha, Oklahoma. I got the name right. Folks, this is Jamie Jones. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm very glad that you um, you clarified the name uh, because there's no Y on the end of that. I would have said Chickasha. You guys get that a lot? We get that all the time. I have people that have been here multiple times that still call it Chickasha. Oh, come on now. Oh, yes. That, that I mean, okay. it's not real difficult once you get you hear the correct one. It's not like you're you're contorting to try and say it. You just say Chickasha. Exactly. <laughs> well. Not everybody gets it, I guess, as quickly as, as we do. Um, listen, I'm glad you could be with us today. Yours is definitely the smallest fair we've had represented on the show so far, but no doubt, I'm sure, has a great impact on your community. Tell us about your fair. Okay, so this is actually the 106th Grady County Free Fair. Um, they have not missed a year. Like, I know several fairs, World War II era and everything, had to kind of skip a year or whatever. The Chickasha fair did not. Um, So we've been going, like I said, 106 years. We're a three-day free fair. We have entertainment every night. We have probably close to 200 vendor booths set up in two different buildings. We have our livestock. um, We have our carnival. Last year was obviously a little bit different, just like every every place else. A little bit Um, different, yeah. (laughs) we, We were still able to go ahead and have a fair. Yeah, um, but it was very pared down. Sure. So, for the listeners who may not understand exactly what a free fair is, can you define what that means for us? So, nobody has to pay to get into the fair to visit anything. Nobody, none of the livestock exhibitors, none of the um, still exhibits that we offer. No, nobody has to pay to enter anything. They get to come. The we the only thing that we do have is our livestock is a youth only. Um, we right. don't offer any open classes, but then our still exhibits with our plants and our foods and everything we offer open anybody in the community, as long as they are in Grady County can come and, and enter whatever they want to enter. And um, there's a chance they could get a premium back. That works. So if you're a free fair, is there, um, are you guys charging a mission on, nope. on gate? No, everything's free. Everything is in? free. The only thing. Um, like the kids, if they go to the carnival, obviously they've got to pay for tickets wristbands, like sure. that, but everything you can walk in our gates. We have no you free parking, free admission, the whole nine yards. All of our concerts are free, everything. So how does a fair like yours raise revenue to pay for the concerts? Sponsorships. There you go. Yes. The magic we, word. <laughs> we are very lucky that in Grady County, we have a lot of community involvement and they have seen the benefits of having the free fair and they continue to support us year after year. Even, even last year, we were still getting sponsorships from businesses that we, we didn't expect to get anything last year. 
and sure. we were still able to get some sponsorships. Well, that's fantastic because, you know, being an entertainer in the industry, I know well aware that um, as sponsors are slow to come back, um, that makes things difficult for us on the entertainment side because so many fairs, that's how they, they oh, can afford to bring us in. Um, but, you know, you mentioned that your community has seen the value of the fair within the community. How do you guys support um, your local area? As a fair or yes. as? Yeah, from a, from a fair standpoint, what are you providing that's supporting the local area? We just try to, like, we, we try to give back as far as we show up to all the ribbon cuttings. We show up to um, any of the big, like, grand openings, things like that. We show up as a facility just because we know if they're on our side, we're on their side. You know, we're not there's no reason to, to try to be like, well, they're just in the community and they're trying to get our space or they're trying to, to hone in on what we're doing. We're, we're all one big happy family. I mean, if one of us doesn't survive, the rest of us don't survive. So we need to, we need to kind of help each other that way. And so we just, we, tr- if, if somebody comes out and they're like, Hey, we really need a space for a, a, a meeting we really can't afford, you know, it's a, it's a educational type thing. We can't afford it. We have space. If it's during right. the week, we may not have something going on. Hey, why don't you come have your meeting out here? Right. You know, things like that. Well, it makes sense. And, and you have to be in a place where you work together, especially in a community that's your size. How, um, what's the population in Grady County? So I think the population in the entire county is around 52,000, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, Chickasha in itself is around 16. Got it. So, so it's definitely yeah. a smaller community. I went to college in a community like that. Portales, New Mexico, which is just on the New Mexico side from Lubbock. Um, yes. I had back then this, this was in the nineties and uh, <laughs> um, they, they had a sign when you came into town that said, welcome to Portales, um, home of uh, 12,000 friendly people and two or three old grouches. It was that kind of community. And I think now it says something about 15 or 16,000 because they've grown over, you know, the last umpteen years since I've been oh, yeah. in college. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been in towns like that and everybody knows everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, an event center like yours plays, you know, plays a pretty pivotal part uh, and role in that community. What other types of events besides the fair do you guys host? So we actually have, so in 2019, we had about between 345 and 350 events here throughout the entire year of 2019. Um, We host everything from rodeos and team ropings to craft shows, military shows. We actually currently have a pre-war swap meet going on. Um, We do. What is is a pre-war swap meet? What does that mean? So it's everything pre-World War II. And it's basically car parts and military stuff, um, all, like I said, pre-war. And they set up all these booth spaces and there's outside, they have all kinds of um, trailers with just old, wow. I like to say just old things <laughs> on them. Right. And, and the, um, we have people here right now from New York and California um, just come in to look at all these car parts and um, tires and just it's the most random thing but this is the 31st one and I am telling you it gets bigger each year 
And people come from all over the country for that? All over. All over. It's crazy. <laughs> the, I, I'm going to have to check one of these times, one of these years you have it, I'm going to have to come out and see it because that's, that sounds like something really cool that, you know, when you hear most fairs, you know, they have RV and boat shows, home and garden shows, all that. And you're like, we've got the pre-war swap meet. Come check <laughs> exactly. that out. And they come from all over the country. Ain't yeah. nobody coming from across the country to the Expo New Mexico Fairgrounds where I'm from to the New Mexico State Fairgrounds for an RV show. You know what right. I mean? Nobody's <laughs> traveling for that. Right. That's and that's cool. where that's where we get really lucky because honestly, we don't have home and garden shows and we don't have RV and boat shows and things like that. I feel like we have more of the uh, it's a tight knit community, but like we have a sheep show sheep show and sale in april that i remember one year i walked out into the parking lot and counted 30 different license plates it's a sheep That's sale wild and it's not like you're you know in connecticut where you're you're really close to like five or six or eight other states no you're <laughs> oklahoma like i get it because it's the same in new mexico once you get west of the mississippi everything gets big and square Yes. Yeah. So to wow. have that many people coming to our community is huge. And, and that's one thing that I know talking to, like I go to all the chamber of commerce meetings, I go to all the economic development meetings. And that is one thing just the other day, they were raving on our fairgrounds because basically when COVID shut everything down, we we ourselves shut down for about two and a half months. We locked our front doors. Our staff got to stay on board. We had plenty of cleaning and, and fixing to do, but our staff stayed on board. And then starting June 1 of 2020, we opened the doors back up and we started working. And that is one thing that has stayed consistent in our community. And our community is finally understanding that like the sales tax and stuff that is coming in, is a large part due to us here at the fairgrounds continuing to have those events. The gross receipts tax out in New Mexico is, has fallen by the wayside and, you know, we're a huge oil and gas state and, and that's getting smoked right now. So tax revenue is getting a little bit on the tight side. And what do you do? I'm glad you guys were able to stay open because for a small community, that makes a big difference uh, on the recovery side. What is the current status of things there in Oklahoma? Are you guys, are you open or kids in school or? Yes. So we are actually, our governor about a week and a half ago said he's opening everything. So okay. we had been basically open for the most part. Like we were still kind of taking down the numbers of attendance of big groups and things like that. But for the most part, we've been basically open for the last six months. Wow. individual individuals cities and everything can have their own mass mandate and have their own requirements but about a week and a half ago our governor came out and said you know what i'm lifting everything he wow. said we need to get back to business and this that's the only way to do it now he has told you know like again all the cities can have their mass mandates and have that if they so choose but as a state as a whole we're open that's awesome. Yeah, our state, New Mexico, finally started getting open. Uh, I know a lot of kids are relieved that they're finally going to get to go back in the classroom because that's been an epic failure. Uh, the government has just completely stuck their foot in that one. And 
Um, you know, teachers will get kids caught up, but I, you know, I worry about the social side of things and, and how the kids are responding with being isolated for that long. I mean, kids, but even for me, hell, I'm 41 years old and I need to be social. I need to be out talking to people and, and visiting. And, um, you know, I got down to Okeechobee County Fair here in Florida. That's where I'm at right now. Just to be at a fair again, feels really good to see the Ferris wheel lit up again. Yeah, I can imagine. I know. Um, so last year that the fair is kind of my baby and it's been my baby since I started. Um, we went from being in the red when I started with the Mm -hmm. fair to up until last year, which we expected last year to be a red year. Every other year we had been in the black and not just a little bit, but by a lot. And last year I told our fair board, I said, if there is any way possible, we have to have this fair. We know it's going to be pared down, but some of these kids, it's their last year to, to show. It's their last year to put stuff in the exhibits. We have to do something. So our attendance was down. Um, we did get a little flack for not having a mask requirement. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you, because being the marketing director, how do you handle mm-hmm. your messaging when you're in the middle of a pandemic? Because that's got to make things a little tricky. It was. It was very tricky. And we we basically told the events themselves that if they would like to put up signs and they would like to require it, they're more than welcome. The city doesn't have one and hasn't had one in, in months. And we don't have enough manpower here to sit here and try to police it and try to enforce it. Right. So if they want to do it, we that's on them and that's 100% we're fine with it. But we're not going to do it. And that's been, I mean, we, we have gotten some pushback. I got pushback. I had a couple of vendors get up and leave last year after they had already paid, after they had already even set up their booth because I didn't have a sign up that said masks were required inside the building. Hmm. I, I didn't feel like it was our place to require it. If even the city wasn't even requiring it. Um, sure. Our numbers were still fairly low at that point, so I didn't think it was a huge deal. Um, we had people coming through wearing their masks. We had vendors wearing their masks. It, it's kind of a personal preference at this point, and if that's if that's how the events and that's how the vendors wanted to do it, that's how that that was fine with me. But we just weren't going to enforce something that we knew we couldn't control. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's a number of fairs that are opening around Florida that have, um, you know, I think basically what they're doing is mask recommendations. They're, mm-hmm. they're it's suggested, um, but there's nobody's, you know, doesn't appear and there's any enforcement of anything, which, you know, I, I'm personally kind of just fine with. If you want to wear a mask and that you, you're feeling safer with that, then wear your mask. You know, and then otherwise, I think it's up to people to be personally responsible. Obviously, there can be some asymptomatic spread, but if you're not feeling well, if you're starting to run a fever, if you're coughing, if you're sneeze, stay home. Exactly, exactly. And we have signs up that ask people to stay six foot apart, that tell them to wash their hands. You know, all the good stuff that the IEFE actually put out for all of their affairs and stuff. Right. We took that and put them on posters and we put them all up our, all over our facility just so that people know we still care. We have hand sanitizers every 
like 20 foot in all of our buildings. Like we have stuff for people, but we're not just going to sit here and harp on you. Well, and I've said countless times on the show, our industry is probably the most prepared of any to handle this pandemic because we've done it. We've done it with E. coli outbreaks. We've done it with H1N1. We've done it with, yep. with avian flu. With all these things that we're prepared for, we're just literally, other than some signage, we're taking what we already do and scaling it. Exactly. And yet we're going to be the last to open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense uh, to me. <laughs> so looking forward here at 2021, I'm assuming you're you're moving full speed ahead. You're going to be able to open this year. Oh, yes. Yes, we are full speed ahead. Um, I've actually sent out vendor contracts already. I'm getting those in actually a lot quicker than (laughs) I expected to. Um, We don't even have a deadline for those until like May 1st. And I've already gotten probably a third of them back that they're 100% ready to go, um, which is fantastic on our end. We have already booked some entertainment. Uh, We have new entertainment this year. We didn't have a carnival last year because our carnival pulled out. Uh, Mm -hmm. just because they didn't feel like they could do it to the best of their ability. So we have a different carnival this year that is in the works. We're ready to have a fair like we're used to, not a 2020 fair. Good. And, you know, from the looks of things, looking at your website, it looks like you're in an area that's really heavily agricultural, farms as far as the eye can see if one of those families is coming out to your event what are a few of the things that you recommend they enjoy while they're there so i recommend if, if they're coming to our fair i say go to the food trucks because everybody loves food trucks yes our event center we are going to have the um canine fun dogs i don't remember exactly what the name of it is but the they do the jumps and the flips and okay. all that the dogs Um, We have those coming this year, which is a brand new thing for us. We don't typically have extra attractions like that. We're working on um, doing a tractor pull during our fair, which will be, which will be pretty exciting because we've never done that out here. And basically people just need to come and walk through the buildings and realize that our fairs are still happening and that things are still normal. For whatever I mean, norm, for whatever normal is, it, exactly. it sounds like you guys feel a little bit more like um, you were in 2019, um, where you just people came out and and did what they did and and had fun. God forbid. We did, and and you know, even though we were lower on numbers last year, it wasn't like we only had a couple thousand. So our fair typically has around twelve to fifteen thousand over the three days, and. Last year, we probably still had eight or 9,000 coming through the doors. It, was, it was still a big fair, even with everything else going on. That's good. So, and we, it's still, then still your blessed. sponsors, the sponsors that do stay in, there's still some value for them. And, exactly. You know, sport, because you know, a lot of the cancellations I had last year, so I mean, you know, the ones out of, of California or some states, they were, they were locked down. They were shut, forcefully shut down, but others, um, you know, I had fairs in, in uh, fair in Florida at the end of the year and that fair could have happened, but he, um, Bill Olson, the fair manager, they're just like so many fair managers that could have opened. We're looking at their modeling numbers and going, if we're down 35, 40, 45%, we're going to, we're going to lose more money than if we just pull the plug. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they had to make that, you know, a gut wrenching decision on that. 
But if that's what you got to do to live to fight another day, then that's what you got to do. Right. And I think that's where we get to be a little bit lucky here in Oklahoma and especially in Grady County with it being a free fair, we're not so reliant on those ticket sales of people walking through the gates. We are, we are reliant, if you will, on the, the sponsorships and we had built up enough of a rainy day fund, if you will, over the last few years, we knew we could have the fair and we could still have a good one and not just break the bank and not be able to go forward in another year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, having that rainy day fund and, and money that you're just sitting on for, I don't think anybody would have, you know, when, when you think of a rainy day fund, you don't think of a pandemic shutting the entire world down. No, not at <laughs> <You> all. <know? laughs> that's, that's not what you're thinking of. Rainy day funds are when you look up and you go, oh my God, there's a leak in a roof and it's going to cost us you know, $15,000 to fix it. That's the rainy day fund. (laughs) Not a, we're shutting the entire planet down. That was, um, I don't think anybody really had that on their bingo card, but Hey, it happened anyway. It did. It did. And you know, it did give us a chance to slow down a little bit. The, the pandemic and, and just those first couple, two and a half months, we were prepared for a another year as big or if not bigger than 2019 and 2020. When we, when you look at our books starting January 1 of 2020, we knew we were going to hit the ground running and it was going to be a busy year. And then when that hit in March and basically we had two or three events that had already called us and said, Hey, I think we're going to, we're going to cancel this one. Um, We were like, okay, you know, that's not a big deal. Well then when the governor came out and shut us down, we shut down until the very end of May, first part of June, and it gave everybody a chance to just like take a deep breath because we knew we knew going in it was going to be tricky. When we when we opened back up on on June first, we still didn't know. Just like everybody, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if people were still going to want to come out, if they were going to be scared to death and be in their homes the rest of 2020. Right. The month of June was touch and go. We had a couple of events, but they weren't what we were expecting. When July 1 hit, and and I know this sounds terrible, you can't knock a team roper down or a rodeo guy down. Like they were ready to come back and they were they were coming in full force. And right. so once we hit the ground running in July again, it was it was nonstop. And it's still been nonstop since. <laughs> So that's good. It's good to have, we have a very, um, self-reliant, very kind of, um, there's a fierceness of the, I think the general attitude in our industry at large, that is, um, knock us down. That's fine. We're just going to get back up. we got a little dirty. Nobody cares. Dirt never killed anybody. We're down with it. Let's go. And I'm glad to see there's some movement finally in the industry that Florida's open um, I have no doubt that as we, we get into the summer, more and more states are, are going to open. I, I hear that, you know, the media likes to talk and be like, but is this safe? The new variants are coming. <laughs> Stay in your houses. But I think even the blue governors are starting to look at their state economies and going, um, if we don't open, we are in deep, like unrecoverable deep. So even the blue governors are, are finally starting to open. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, 
you know, obviously we're, we're a red state and our, our governor has kind of been a lot more lax than everywhere else. Um, and, and, and we know that, and there's been times where I'm like, "Mm, he maybe should have tightened up a little bit, but on the flip side of it, I'm like, I like to go out and do things. So, (laughs) you know, I'm kind of glad that he didn't. And if that meant I had to throw a mask on, well, so be it. But now that we're, we're back open, I think we'll see a shift in not just in, in the bigger states opening back up, but I think you'll see a bigger pickup in the smaller states or the um, less inhabited states that are going to start increasing like their, their fares are going to come back. Like they're going to start opening regardless of if they feel like it's safe or not. Like, I think, I think they realize that 2020 was hard, but if they keep, there's going to be some places that won't ever be able to open back up. There's going to be some fairs that got hit so hard in 2020 that that fair cannot open in 2021. And that, that hurts. That hurts all of us as a whole. And so if, if these states can open back up and these guys that were just holding on can maybe just get in there in 2021, maybe that can save them so that, you know, in 2022, they're, they're better than they were. Sure. Well, and for so many fair managers that have come on the show and talked to me about, you know, what's going on with their financial position, it's not even that they have to have the fair. They have to have events. They got to be able to get their non-fair revenue going and rent the facilities for that RV and boat show or the home and garden show or whatever it is. Um, you know, we'll see moving forward. I think, I think we got some good momentum. The trends are continuing to to go down, even with these variants starting to roll in into country. So we'll see. Um, I I don't know. I tend to look at headlines, and the more the more sensational and, and frightening the headline, the more I realize it's probably the actual opposite that's going on. I got yeah. my degree in, in television production and minor in journalism. So I'm not entirely <laughs> unfamiliar with, uh, with media. And um, y- y- there was a, a headline on CNN yesterday. I think I read or the day before um, new variant could cause massive fourth wave spike. Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. I'm like, you all just need the clicks and the advertising dollars and you need to drive hysteria because then people keep watching. I don't even care. It, it's, like, it's that R word, that ratings. Yes. Rating. <laughs> yes. I don't, I'm at the point. I'm like, here's the deal. Here's how this is going to roll down. I'm going to wash my hands some extra. I'm going to keep hand sanitizer handy. I'll wear a mask when I'm out in public, even though I think it's kind of stupid, but I'll wear a mask because I'm going to make everybody else feel better about things. <laughs> and I'm going to go about my life. Yep. And if you're feeling sick, just like if I'm feeling sick, I'm going to stay home. Exactly. Well, we're going to knock this thing out. We knocked out, listen, with the medical technology today, I have people that early on were saying this is going to be worse than 1918. I'm like, bro, you realize everybody's got soap now. Everybody's got clean <laughs> running water now. This is not right. going to be worse than 1918. Oh, no, no, no. They're saying, who is they? Who is they that's keeping you scared and keeping you <laughs> clicking on their news channel all the time? Quit watching they. Just quit watching the news in general sometimes, man. For sure. For sure. It makes you depressed. It does. I, it, it, it does. I, that's, you know, I... I can't stay in that place where people are just so angry and, and 
getting in fights in Walmart because somebody's not wearing a mask. Like I go to the grocery store and I'm wearing my mask. I'm like, you know, we just, before I came down to Florida, it was starting to get a little warmer in New Mexico. So everything started blooming and I'm like, Oh, the juniper's blooming. That means I'm going to be sneezing. And I go in and I'm in a mask and I take, I sneeze into my sweatshirt. So I'm like double layered, but I try to do it as quietly as possible because you sneeze in public right now. And everybody looks at you like, what is that run? Yes. And you're like, no, I swear. It's just allergies. I promise. You're good. (laughs) Everybody's good. Yep. Been there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know how we just, I don't know how we fix it. You don't fix it. You just take care of yourself and go out and keep living your life. Cause that's, that's the only way we're moving through this Has navigating the pandemic taught you anything about yourself. It's taught me that I don't need people as much as I thought I used to. <laughs> no, not the and answer I, I thought that. I was going to get. <laughs> no. And I say that I am very much an extrovert. I thrive on being around large groups of people, but the pandemic allowed me to kind of reevaluate. Am I around these people for the right reasons? Am I trying to be in these big groups for the right reasons or do I need to kind of step back and be like, mm, maybe this group wasn't the one I needed to be in. I need to focus my attention on something else. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm meaning. Um, I honestly, throughout the pandemic, as far as personally, my husband and I got on a hiking kick and we now go hiking almost once a week. Wow just because it got us outside doing things and we didn't, we weren't around other people. We weren't getting mass shame because we were outside and we didn't right. have a mask on, you know, we were out by ourselves. And if being outside is what has saved me mentally from the pandemic, because I being by myself inside the whole time would have driven me crazy. Yep. That makes sense. I That's- did break my leg when the pandemic started though. So the first, why did you do something like that? So I was riding my horse. I'm a very, very competitive equestrian and I was riding my horse and he stumbled and couldn't, he, he went down to his knees and he couldn't catch himself and went over onto his side. And my leg happened to be under him Under when he did that. That's just Um, a little bit of weight coming down on you, huh? Yep. Yep. So just snap that fibula. Um, easiest break that I've ever had, (laughs) easiest recovery I've ever had. But the first two and a half months of the pandemic, because it was literally when the world shut down, that day is when I broke my leg. And so that first two and a half months, I didn't go anywhere anyways. I was on crutches. I couldn't do anything. (laughs) I'm just chilling. So other than going to the doctor's office, which was a little bit scary in that time, obviously, because we never knew what was going on. Right. Other than that, like, easiest recovery I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's some silver linings in the in all of this. Yeah. You gotta yeah. look. You gotta look to the positive. I finally, <laughs> after uh, about ten years with a broken ankle that was not a hundred percent healed, I finally last July went and did the deed, and I figure. You know, it takes it, it, the talus, you know, right below the fibula, the actual ankle bone takes forever to heal because there's low oh. blood flow to it. And so it takes like six months, it took me seven. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, 
we're closed. Everything's shut down. I might as well get this thing in while I can. So that, yeah. the good news is I actually can can uh, use use my ankle now after you know years of limping on it and hobbling and running out of gas too soon. So see, there's always a plus side. Always a plus side. Always <laughs> a plus side. Listen, I really uh, appreciate having you on the show today. Before we go, everyone on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you a quick series about six questions and you give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? Uh, Yes. You look nervous. (laughs) No reason to be nervous. Question one. What's your favorite fair food? Funnel cakes. Question two. A movie's made about your life. Which actress would you want to play you? Reese Witherspoon. Oh, I like the answer (laughs) on that one. Name an occupation you'd be in if you weren't involved with the fair. Photography. Do you prefer driving a car or a truck? Truck. Amen, Oklahoma. <laughs> and on an airplane, window seat or aisle seat? Window seat. And last question. If I open your music app right now, which artist would most likely be playing? Corp Lund. Okay. What's your favorite song? No. 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 What's your favorite song? He's a country musician from Canada. Okay. Yeah. What's his his name? Corb Lund. Corb Lund. All right. Y'all listening, check out Corb Lund on Spotify. I'm going to go check it out as soon as we check, check out of the show here. Jamie, listen, it's great having you on the show. If folks want to learn more about you and your fair, where can they do that? www.gradycountyfairgrounds.com Jamie Jones, Director of Marketing and Events and the Fair General Manager for the Grady County Fair in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.